Welcome to Wistful Thinking, a podcast where we revisit beloved pieces of media from our childhood to see how they still hold up. I'm Kara Gail O'Regan. With me, as always, I have my co-host, Jordan Poland-Clark. Hello. And our guest today is Sophie, who picked the 1989 Disney movie, The Little Mermaid. In The Little Mermaid, a mermaid princess makes a Faustian bargain with an unscrupulous sea witch in order to meet a human prince on land. So, Sophie, what made you choose this movie? I just always loved The Little Mermaid. I'm pretty sure we uh, burned through the VHS quite literally from watching it too much (laughs) when I was little, so I figured why not? Yeah. How about you, Jordan? This is my number one movie. I still own my VHS copy of it, which I watched for this. And I like this movie so much, and it's so much a part of my soul that it's the first thing that we've watched for this podcast that I couldn't watch with a critical eye because it's just too much a part of me. Like, I can't criticize it at all. Interesting. Yeah, I also really love this movie. It's actually, I think, the first movie I ever saw in a movie theater. Me too. Wow. I watched it through the doors of the movie theater because I was too scared, (laughs) but I didn't want to leave. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's great my parents had this story about after seeing the little mermaid for like a couple weeks every time we'd drive somewhere in the car i would just sit in the back seat yelling at the top of my lungs some approximation of part of your world where i would just (laughs) make up the lyrics and just keep just keep going and I, i really wish that some of that was on video but sadly it is not did you, either of you, ever uh, play mermaids, like, in a pool? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, all the time. We used to play mermaids. And I also used to perform part of your world, like, in the living room all the time. And my fourth birthday party was a Little Mermaid birthday party. Wow. Um, she, was, she was there. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm pretty sure I had a mermaid birthday party at some point. But I know for a fact my sister had this weird flounder, like, toy or whatever. That went everywhere with us for at least five years. Yeah, I think this one is, for people of our generation, particularly girls, I think this one really stands out as like a pivotal piece of of media from our childhoods. That wasn't a particularly insightful statement. Well, (laughs) it's funny, I was just talking to a straight male who was like, yeah, we didn't watch this. (laughs) Uh, Like, it never occurred to me that like, oh this was like not for them you know because like the, the other Disney movies after this were kind of more for everybody um, mm-hmm. you know obviously I'm like way over generalizing and offending somebody by talking like that um, but you know like Aladdin and the Lion King like they weren't princess movies really right so. yeah this was actually the first animated film that Disney put out in almost two decades I think um, the previous animated release was where is it in my notes somewhere we trust you sort of (laughs) but basically the little mermaid is given credit for breathing life back into the art of the disney animated feature film after they had a string of critical and or commercial failures uh, dating back to the early 1970s so this was pivotal not just for a, a lot of viewers but also for disney itself and many of the people that were involved in the production uh, towards the beginning were kind of skeptical of the story as something that could be successful because it was a quote-unquote girl movie um but i never guess... underestimate girls fuck that 
ever, <laughs> ever. And yet, people do constantly. Uh, Still all the time. Uh, yeah, we were going to get totally derailed if we got on that track. <laughs> True. Uh, but I guess by the time they um, were far enough along in the production where they were coloring things in and putting the music together and everything, they realized like what a special thing they had on their hands. And I think it really is, you know, a, a piece of magic that they managed to produce. Damn straight. You know, for a girl movie, the main character doesn't do a whole lot of talking. <laughs> Oh, Even God. when she gets True. her voice back. Oh, God. True. There, it is problematic in, like, so a lot ways. of ways. <laughs> well, that's what, like, we don't need to hop right into this. But, I was like, going to say. Like, it's getting deep right away. <laughs> but, uh, like, like, I love this movie, and I'll watch it. I would watch it again tomorrow. But, like, I started thinking, like, but would I show my kid this? Like, if I had a little uh. girl? Like, yeah. ugh, I don't know. It's really even princess problematic. movies are different now. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, something like Frozen or uh, what's the one with the big red hair? Uh, Brave. Uh, yeah, I know which one. Yeah. Brave or I haven't seen Moana, but I hear that that or is Mulan. quite different as well. Mulan. Yep, that's another really good one. Yeah, uh, no. The I've, princess like, movie has come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. Um, I don't know if I would want... I wouldn't have thought about it like that, but yeah, I don't know if I'd want to show a daughter this movie. At least not before she'd seen yeah, like, all the only... other kick-ass movies first, and then I'd be like, okay, now this is okay, you can see this one. Right. Maybe I would play her the music, like we could get we could get the, you know, Spotify, the soundtrack, <laughs> but I wouldn't, because the music is great. Yeah, it, it is, is. great, yeah. Um, but Although yeah. Uh, I, I might, even though I think it's probably one of, if not the best song in the movie, I would maybe pull uh, Kiss the Girl from that if I was playing it for my young daughter, if yeah. I were to have one. Because it's like a little bit about, uh, not necessarily non-consensual kissing, but like... Oh, she wants the kiss. But the whole song is like, <laughs> is like, oh... So, like, maybe it's just being in the queer space, but, like, and I just got home from gay camp, so I'm probably a little bit, like, over, like, feministed at the moment, which would be a very, like, interesting place to watch this movie from. But, like, the whole concept of, like, agency over your Mm -hmm. own self and, like, boys fighting over you being stupid and, like, animals singing to a person to tell them to kiss a girl. (laughs) I mean, like, let's be real, like... I just, oh my God, there's so many things wrong with it. It's yeah. a little much. Yeah. yeah. So as Jordan pointed out, like in addition to uh, this story falling into all of the familiar trappings of, you know, uh, a girl falling in love with a guy that she doesn't know and, uh, you know, being saved by him and whatnot, um, the character of the Little Mermaid, Ariel, or Ariel, is only 16. (laughs) And, um, you know, not not spoiler alert, but uh, her (laughs) and the prince do get married at the end of this. And um, it doesn't seem like that much time has really elapsed. No, it's like a week. It is like a week. Very long. Is he not 16 too? Uh, They don't say his age, but he does seem older. Yeah. Or... Well, but not like creepy old. I mean, either way. no, he's, I, I think he's like 20. I think it's, like, I was about to say, I think it's freshman <laughs> senior. <laughs> but that doesn't mean they should be getting married. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in some states, that's statutory rape. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not it's, saying it's okay. I'm just saying that it's not nearly as bad as, like, it could be. No, no, no. Sure. One of the questions that came out of this with was, like, what year is this supposed to take place in? Um, when are they? Well, it's originally a Hans Christian Andersen thing, right? Right. And that... He was around in the late 19th century, so probably around there. Because it's, like, um, very unclear in the movie when they're supposed to be. Cause like well, mermaids it's the same don't... as, like, the Beauty and the Beast. It's, like, just this, mm-hmm. like, random French town at this one time. I mean, it seems like it's this random place at this one time. I don't think it's necessarily, like, in history anytime in particular. Yeah. Oh, uh, I according to the film's official novelization. Ooh. So after they made the cartoon Little Mermaid, they turned it into a novel. Interesting choice, but they do that sort of oh, thing a Lord. lot. Eric had just turned eighteen. Okay. Okay. So maybe that's why that would make sense because like they're all like trying to find he's the prince and they're trying to find him a wife. So I guess right. like maybe that's a thing they would do. Well, if, and he'd like just gotten a ship or whatever too, right? Like happy birthday, right. here's a ship. It's a birthday and party, a, right? A weird uh, statue of yourself. Fuck, man! I want a statue of myself. <laughs> but he's so cool. He's not into the statue. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would be really weird. <laughs> Let's see. What else? Her boobs are huge. <laughs> like shockingly huge. Like so. Well, but yes. Uh, I feel like she's underwater. That helps, though. That does help, <laughs> actually. I, I think that, that she's drawn in the same shape as all of the other Disney princesses, like for mm-hmm. in the '90s, ended up being drawn. Um, except that she's almost naked, which mm. is everyone accepts because she's a mermaid, which. I also seem to accept because she's a roommate. <laughs> Again, I have a hard time criticizing this. Um, right. Well, actually, uh, to that point, the character's body type and personality were based upon that of Alyssa Milano, who was then starring on TV's Who's oh. the Boss? And the effect of her hair underwater was actually based on footage of Sally Ride when she was in space. What? So that part's cool. That's that so cool. is crazy. Yeah. The way her hair moves, even on land, is like my favorite thing I think about her yeah I've been chasing that have, my yeah, entire like, ev- life every girl I know has been chasing that for their whole life mm-hmm. I just remember when my hair was really long that I when I would swim underwater and I would like take it out of the ponytail and it would just be like everywhere and I thought it was so cool yeah do you guys do the thing where you come out of, of the course. top of the water and flick your hair back of course I did I should I guess for context I have no hair I have a fade right now so definitely <laughs> Not any, not any hair Yeah, I did, and then I was like, nope. Yeah, so, so a lot of times, I mean, if I'm in a pool, I'm probably going to try doing that still. <laughs> yeah, like and I'm 30 still, years right? Old. Every everyone yeah. should. I mean, if I had the hair for it, I would still be doing it too. I mean, I, I feel like you could still still do it because the hair that's on top of your head is going to retain some of the moisture. So when you flick it back, you're at least going to have some some water flying. Maybe I'll try. I'll try next time. <laughs> yeah I mean, my hair is actually usually actually too long and then I wind up like hurting myself <laughs> just wind up smacking myself in the face with my hair but um I try yeah. I certainly try I mean, a for effort mm-hmm. so some interesting things that I read about the casting of this film there's not a whole lot of like well-known names that wound up being in it but the voice of Ursula was actually written the role was written for B. Arthur 
uh, of the Golden Girls because Disney then owned the TV series, The Golden Girls. Uh, but B. Arthur turned that down and actresses such as Nancy Marchand, who I don't know, Nancy Wilson, Roseanne Barr, uh, Charlotte Ray and Elaine Stritch were considered for the part and Elaine Stritch was actually cast as Ursula but unfortunately did not mesh well with the guy that was in charge of music Oops. and so he, she was replaced but can you imagine Elaine Stritch as Ursula that would have been amazing I don't know maybe I'm just like because I know what it is like that would be weird if anybody but Ursula was Ursula yeah that is true but I just, I really love Elaine Stritch. True, true, true. <laughs> I think Ursula is actually probably the best Disney villain. She's, She's my solid. favorite, I think. Yeah. She definitely has the best Disney villain song. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck yeah. Like, I don't oh. remember liking that song as a kid, because, like, I didn't care about Ursula as a kid. But, mm-hmm. like, as an adult, like, that's the best song. Yeah, and I think she's the best character in the movie, too. <laughs> like, who is she? Like, where did she come from? Like, she was, so, like, she, it sounded like she used to be part of the kingdom, and, mm-hmm. like, King Triton, like, banished her? Is that what happened? Yeah, I think it's, like, a Lucifer situation. I wouldn't mind a whole Ursula spinoff. Yeah, a, a prequel. Yeah, like, where did she come from, and why is she so mad? <laughs> and... Why is she trapping these poor, unfortunate souls? Oh, anytime anyone says that, all I hear in my head is, like, the echo of, like, poor, unfortunate souls. Like, I can't hear those words without hearing the echo. Yeah. Uh, Some other interesting potential casting choices. Uh, Jim Carrey auditioned for the role of Prince Eric, which would have been interesting. And comedians Bill Maher and Michael Richards, a.k.a uh what's his name Kramer. oh my god Kramer yeah I was gonna call him Frazier that's not right Kramer from Seinfeld both auditioned for the role of Scuttle the seagull who if not oh, Ursula I think so maybe Scuttle's the best character funny I love him so much he reminds me of the um the one from Finding Nemo when I remember when I saw Finding Nemo I'm like they totally stole this from the Little Mermaid oh yeah <laughs> the uh seagulls in that one yeah Yeah. can i say one of my favorite things about this that i think is actually really positive Mm -hmm. when she turns into a human and she's like she doesn't really understand like you know she has all these ideas about how you use forks and how you use pipes and she's wrong about all of them um Mm -hmm. she's never embarrassed about that like it's really cool (laughs) Like, yeah, cool. you're right. And she just continues to do it. Like, she doesn't seem to care about, like, conforming to, like, human ways. She just, like, keeps being a real weirdo, which I is cool. It. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is nice. One redeeming uh, thing that girls can look up to. <laughs> yeah, like, I thought that made her a stronger character than she could have been. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, she's not a terrible character. It's just, like, let's be real. If it's between, like, Merida of Brave and Ariel. I mean, I love The Little Mermaid, but, like, who doesn't want to ride around on a horse and shoot things? Like, mm-hmm. versus, like, not being able to talk. Right. I don't know, maybe that's yeah. just me, but... Uh, no, I think that's that, that's fair. Uh, do you guys want to unpack the not talking thing a little oh. bit? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if there is much to unpack there, but... I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward. She can't talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, okay, so in case someone has managed to not see this movie and for some reason is listening to this, uh, 
and you don't and you're not familiar with the plot line um ariel signs a deal with ursula who essentially is a, de a devil figure like you know like i said before like her storyline seems to be some sort of like lucifer situation where she used to be part of the good kingdom and then was banished and now she's mad about it and she is a sea witch so she's able to grant people wishes that they have um, and so Ariel wants to become a human so that she can be with Prince Eric and signs this document that she has X amount of time to secure true love's kiss from Eric uh, so that she can remain a human with him and then if she doesn't do that in time she belongs to Ursula and hijinks ensue um, <laughs> And, and so when she signs this deal, the deal is that she has to give Ursula her voice. I don't know if that's supposed to be permanent or just... No, I think she the... would have gotten her voice back. Okay, interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think so. But because Ursula it's supposed steals... to be like a... Because she's supposed to be Lucifer, right? So it's supposed to be this like deal that's too good to be true. So it's like, I'm just going to mm -hmm. hold your voice and then you're going to fall in love with the prince and then you'll have everything you want i don't know but like right. obviously that was never gonna happen like clearly yeah. at least not in well, ursula's version of the events the only impression that eric has of ariel is him waking up after nearly drowning and looking up and seeing her face briefly and hearing her sing so the only information that he has about her is what she looks like from like the shoulders up which he doesn't and... really even remember Right, and also what she sounds like. So to take away that one key piece, and also like simply for Ariel not to be able to say like, "Hey, I was the one who saved you from drowning." <laughs> yeah, um, you know, kind of complicates the situation a bit. I just it makes me so mad. But uh, can you say well, a little bit more about that? Yeah, because like you just it's like watching I mean and I guess it's supposed to be like this right because she can't talk and she can't tell him and whatever but it's like you're just watching her be helpless and like mm -hmm. as a little kid I think I saw it more as like you know part of the plot and whatever but like now it like more makes me feminist mad where I'm like <laughs> this is bullshit um I don't know it just seems like it's the like stereotype played out and like she actually can't speak instead of just being like talked over everywhere right and the only tools that she has to woo him with are like batting her eyelashes uh, at him and looking yeah at which she does constantly feminine wiles <laughs> I think the part that makes me the most mad is that she has to they have to have true love's kiss in less than three days yeah yeah, yeah, there's that, too. And they've only looked at each other one time. Because that's how yeah. that works, right? Which is just but super problematic. So, like, that's actually not that ridiculous to me. That's actually, like, one of the things about this movie that I'm like, no, I, I would I'd believe that. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, cause... I guess, like, that's true. Like, they would do that. But, like, that's also, even when teenagers do that, like, that's not real. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. yeah. You can yeah. definitely make out with someone in three days, but, like, to do that <laughs> and then get married and then be happy for the rest of your life, like, that's a large leap. Yeah, like, and it would be one thing if, like, this one movie just did that because they were dumb teenagers, but that's the narrative of every single princess movie, you know? They just meet <laughs> one time and then they're in love and then they live happily ever after, like, 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that feeds into the whole sexist bullshit of like girls should be like virtuous until they're married and whatever, Mm -hmm. and you only ever kiss the person you're married to and live happily ever after, and divorce is for the devil and all that bullshit. And that you have to wait for the prince to kiss you. Oh, God. Yeah, that too. How could I forget? (laughs) Uh, But also, I mean, if you put it in historical context, not that this is like a particularly historic (laughs) document. Go on, you started. accurate. Yeah, I'm going to go for it. Um, As far as like nobility is concerned, um, you know, I, I think of a movie like Ever After, where there's a prince who is in this position where he's kind of being forced into marrying someone. And like in a lot of situations, it was like some sort of arranged marriage. Because ultimately, I mean, when you really break it down, marriage is two things. One thing, it's a business agreement. Uh, And historically, it was a business agreement between two men and not a man and a woman. And it's also been used for military alliances, you know, like, prince from one kingdom would marry a princess from another kingdom and then those two families would agree not to try and take each other's shit you know what i mean so like here especially in the united states in this period of time in history we talk about marriage as being about a love between two people um you know and some people really take that to the full extent fullest extent of uh heteronormativity that it's like between a man and a woman which obviously doesn't necessarily need to be the case um but you know we talk about marriage as this thing that's supposed to be bound up in love and whatnot when like what it really is is a business document and i i think that most people don't realize that until they get divorced and they're like (laughs) holy shit (laughs) this is like this crazy legal thing that we got ourselves into that like no one actually considers that before they actually sign a marriage license, you yeah. know? I'm, like, honestly pretty convinced that the only reason to get married is legal shit, which is pretty much only relevant when you have children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's true. That's my personal or for, opinion. Or for tax reasons. I mean, sometimes it, it, it makes sense for tax reasons. Or... Which uh, is, like, a whole nother... Like, if that's the only reason why, like, like, like can right. we examine... Oh, actually, can we not examine it because it's depressing? But, like... <laughs> That's a serious thing. Also, for health insurance. I almost got married for health insurance once. Also, uh, business, also depressing. (laughs) Right, yeah. But yeah, so many of these princess movies are about marriage and love and... Actually, they all are. what is ostensibly about love. Can we stop for a second and try to think about Disney movies that aren't somehow related to someone getting married? Um, I mean, Mulan... Okay. But not Disney movies. Does Mulan get married at the end? Well, she's got that whole thing that you, with that guy, the one that's her, like, commander or oh, whatever, yeah. which has a whole other piece to it, which I much prefer that. <laughs> um, yeah. You get some nice sub and dom pieces into a Disney movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so we're actually recording two episodes today. <laughs> and the one that we did last was Ren and Stimpy, and we actually talked about an episode where a weird kind of sub dom relationship emerges between two characters so i love it i i guess that's our theme for today um yeah what what other movie what other princess movies maybe don't have anything to do with love or marriage 
Uh, I can't think I of any. No, Look we up neither. a list of princess movies. Like, there's no, there are no movies where it's just like, hey, there's a princess and something else happens. Well, maybe that requires a little bit of thinking about what a princess is, too. Like, mm. like I think going back to what Kara said, like, when somebody is royalty, as a princess is, like, they there are all these rules about, like, getting married to a prince and becoming a queen and a king and all that. So, like, maybe it's tied into that somehow. Like... Yeah, and I mean, just, like, the role of women in general yeah. has been as property and not necessarily as people. So... It makes sense. It's just like a bummer that it keeps being perpetuated in children's programming over and over again. Wait. Well, I think they're trying to do. I mean, let's see. Let's look at what what's come out recently. Um, like all the princesses in Adventure Times aren't like that at all. Yeah, so that's cool because there's like a hundred princesses in Adventure Time. Uh, the Princess Diaries. I don't think is there a love. No, there is a love story in that one too. Oh yeah. Um, that's a bummer. Has anyone seen Tangled? Yes. No. Tangled was cute, but again, has a prince in it. She looks a little, a little fiercer on the cover. Yeah. Tangled. Frozen. I've never seen it. Let's see what else? Frozen. It, but it has like a side of. I mean, the prince turns out to be evil, right? But um, fun fact: Elsa was modeled after one of the artist's daughters who's also a type 1 diabetic like me who was it modeled after uh one of the i think it was one of the um artist's daughters is a type 1 diabetic and i guess he heard her uh saying like why me like around like chronic illness and stuff um and so she also was originally going to be evil but then they ended up she ended up being like this sort of tortured character instead of um you know, like, this power There's... came to be hers rather than her being evil, which I thought was nice. Yeah, that's actually really interesting, and I'm going to have to watch Frozen again. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> a lot of good chronic illness, like, psychology there, for sure. Huh. Well, maybe the princess movie is just, like, straight up going out of style, finally. Like, Frozen was the last Disney princess movie, and that was four years ago. And arguably well, that really wasn't. Right, yeah. Hans was fucking was, evil. Is Moana a princess movie, though, technically? Let's see. I haven't seen it yet. What about no, prince no, movies? I... Why are they all princess movies? Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, I think it has less to do with the question of, like, why not prince movies so much as it is uh, ab- uh, about making films that might appeal to girls and having to wedge these patriarchal storylines in them to make other people interested in it you know yeah but i'm just just thinking like about girls like that there's a male character too yeah i mean because i'm trying to think of like male protagonist characters like aladdin yeah but what other movies have what other but also like literally every movie that isn't about a princess is basically a prince movie so true true i guess i was looking for that exact like trying to think of that exact storyline but like just gender reverse but i mean god a prince would never be helpless and need someone else so what was i thinking yeah Yeah, the prince movie would be like five minutes long he would be like i got her the end (laughs) 
<laughs> or somebody would be trying to like impose some ridiculous thing on him and he'd be like no thanks yeah you would just walk over. away <laughs> well like that brings me to a point that i want to make about like how in this movie in particular but i think probably in all the princess movies like they're expected to basically put up with torture to get what they want like yeah. in this particular case she has to live without her voice which is like you know according to everybody the best thing about her like she has this beautiful singing voice oh my god and in the um in the um in the storybook version in the hans christian anderson version when she gets her legs she feels like she's walking on knives and the sea witch makes her a really good dancer so she dances and her feet feel like she's dying and she's like dancing around for the prince because she's really good at it and she needs to make him fall in love with her. She's just like so tortured and in so much pain. Oh my God. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. I wonder why they didn't include that detail in the cartoon. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff that they left out. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah. So in the original, and um, won't even lie, I didn't actually read it. This is just from the Wikipedia. I assume it's a pretty good summary, though. Um, but in the original, her um, her father is uh, widowed, but she has a grandmother who kind of tells her things. And um, when mermaids turn 15 in the original, they're allowed to go to shore and, you know, see what's up and then go back down. So they know the humans so are So like there, a, so... a mermaid rum springer. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So she, um, her grandmother tells her that humans have eternal souls when they die, and all the mermaids know when they die, they just turn to dust, to sea foam. Um, so mermaids live for, like, hundreds of years, but when they die, they're dead, and humans only mm-hmm. live for, like, 50 years, but when they die, you know, their soul lives forever, and so that's what she's after. That's why she wants to be human. Um, so it's not necessarily about the love story. It's about achieving eternal life. Yeah. So it, it ends up being still about the same love story. It's the same thing. Like she goes to shore. She sees the prince. There's a shipwreck. She saves him. Like all that is the same. But like mm-hmm. the reason she's so obsessed with being human is because she wants her soul to live forever. Where like in the movie, she just like thinks it's cool or whatever. Um, what else from the story? Um, oh gosh. Okay, so in the story, um, he actually marries somebody else, and Interesting. the her sisters um, make a deal with the sea witch to get this special knife. That they trade their hair to get this knife that they give to Ariel, um, so that she can use the knife to kill the prince. And if she drips the prince's blood on her legs, she gets to turn back into a mermaid and like be a mermaid forever. But, wow. but she can't do it. Uh, it's too hard because she loves the prince. So instead, she kills herself with the knife. Wow. And if I were her sisters, I would be so pissed. Yeah. yeah right? But so, but she turns into sea foam. But then her soul is lifted up and her soul does get to live forever. Except for... Uh, wait, I actually copy-pasted this because I was like, wait, what? Um, because of her selflessness, she is given the chance to earn her own soul by doing good deeds to mankind for 300 years and will one day rise up into the kingdom of God. So she has to work for 300 years to get her soul. Yikes. As Yikes. a mermaid? It's unclear. 
<laughs> it's it's her soul. She's like she rises up and like. Okay, I'm not entirely sure. So there's I some like that, weird. Yeah, there's there's some stuff yeah, in there. yeah something. So like I get why they took that out because it's like pretty Christian A dark. and pretty dark. Damn Christians. Uh-huh. But you know, like she's super tortured in that story, yeah. like all yeah. the way through. I kind of want to see that version. It almost has like... more to it. Yeah, it definitely has more oh, to yeah. it for sure. Well, and like we have to figure like that's actually like an adult storyline with like complications. I mean, still a fairy tale, but like a full. Whereas like a Disney's, a, yeah, Disney's, yeah, it's very like. It's a princess. Let's sing some songs. It's the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. The end. Like, all of those feelings that you just talked through don't fit into that arc. No. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, like, this kind of thing is largely going out of style. Because, like, if you ask somebody what a good animated movie is now, it's a Pixar movie. And, like, Pixar doesn't right. do this. Yeah. Well, but yeah, I mean, what about Wally? I feel like Wally is like a princess. Oh boy, I have Aww. to think about that. How is Wally like a princess? Because he like wanders around all like he thinks everything's okay and then he ends up and he's all by himself and he wanders around and he's looking for things and then he finds ew, I can't say it like Eve or whatever who's technically Eve. a girl. Well, that's a whole nother thing because yeah, I don't I mean, think robots, robots. I don't do think robots really should gender? be gendered, <laughs> but they did it anyway. So <laughs> Um, anyway, he finds the other robot and then, like, you know, whatever. And it's his own little love story with the other robot. Um, but I don't know. I think that would kind of... That's the only one I... I feel like... I don't know. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I think that it's... The blueprint is there, maybe. Um, and if anything, maybe Eve is the princess that he's trying to save. Yeah. Because he's kind of pursuing her. But that's an interesting way to think about it. Um, I, f- I finally saw Inside Out recently. Oh, which yeah. Which was fantastic. And the thing that I'm always so frustrated about uh, as far as uh, women's roles, whether it be in a cartoon or in live action for children or for adults, is that we so rarely get to see like the inner life of women characters. Um, and that movie is like entirely the inner life of a character which i found really fascinating yeah and i hope to see more of that kind of thing and the way that they they went about doing it was really uh interesting and fun yeah it was for someone who's had uh experience in the uh mental health world um both like personally and with my family uh, I found it very interesting, um, mm-hmm. sort of the way that they went around um, explaining certain things. And I thought it was great because I remember being younger and, um, for example, my aunt's a schizophrenic and no one could explain that to me. And I think, like, if you'd had the, like, sort of bones, and not that that's what Inside Out is about, but, like, if they'd had the sort of structure to explain it, like, as this team in your head and, like, this is no, whatever. I think that that's a pretty cool construct that can now be used for kids to explain yeah. stuff like that. 
I yeah, think it could even be used tool. for some adults to explain. <laughs> oh, oh for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I one of the more interesting parts about that was seeing like the inner characters of the mother and father mm-hmm. characters mm. and seeing that across all three main characters in the film, they each had a different emotion in charge. So like the little girl, at least, you know, at the beginning of the film has joy in charge. And so like joy is what she kind of greets the world with and what she lives her life kind of piloted by. And then her mother, I think was like, sadness or disappointment or something i don't remember exactly and then her father yeah yeah because the the two adult characters like joy is not the one who's in the driver's seat you know um and kind of seeing how how those changes that shift kind of happens um for adolescents was just it was really a, a interesting way to to handle it and um they actually had some neuroscientists like consult on the film to figure out how to present these like extremely complex concepts that we still have very little understanding of from a scientific perspective and like not only visualize it but animate it and make it really interesting yeah yeah pixar Uh, seems to be just like light years ahead as far as like storytelling not for everything they've released but like i don't know they seem to be really interested in pushing the storytelling for everything yeah and not just storytelling but i think um i don't know what the word that i'm looking for is but like the emotional density mm-hmm. of their films i think are significantly more sophisticated than what comes out of most other animation studios um, right which isn't to say that they're like anything that's not pixar is not doing that i thought zootopia was really great and that was yes something. that was amazing insight yeah. a howl i did that with friends for like a solid six months where one of us would just start howling and then everybody else would have to start howling <laughs> Uh, to, to touch a bit on uh, the animation aspect of the film, the underwater, the underwater setting required the most special effects animation for a Disney animated feature since Fantasia in 1940, which oh, at the time Fantasia. was super cutting edge. Um, they created a lot of te- technology that didn't exist before in order to uh, not only create the film of Fantasia, but there was also this like really ridiculous kind of soundscape that they created and even pioneered um, surround sound, basically, in theaters, uh, specifically for the presentation of Fantasia because of the way that it was scored and stuff, which is really interesting. Um, the animation supervisor estimated that over a million bubbles were drawn for the film. Uh, in addition to use of other processes such as airbrushing, backlighting, superimposition, and some computer animation. How many bubbles do you think were erased? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If I was involved, it would be like 1.5 billion. (laughs) I'm always having to erase things. Um, The artistic manpower needed for the film required Disney to farm out the most 
form out most of the underwater bubble effects animation in the film to Pacific Rim Productions, which is a China-based firm with production facilities in Beijing. Wait, so they're like, here, we're working on the film, you draw the bubbles? Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I mean, a million bubbles. No, I mean, like, I'm not saying it's not a lot of bubbles. I'm just like, there are very many ways to delegate. Um, And, you know, that's, that's, you know, then we add that to the list of uh, dominant submissive topics. Questionable choices. (laughs) Um, it was the last dig- Disney feature film to use the traditional hand-painted cell animation mm-hmm. method of animation, which is um, that they paint a background and then use clear layers of acetate yeah. or, um, and animate on that. Uh, their next film, The Rescuers, Rescuers Down Under, used a digital method of coloring and combining scanned drawings developed for Disney by Pixar, actually, mm-hmm. uh, called Computer Animated Production System, which would eliminate the need for cells, the multi-pane camera, and other optical effects used for the last time in The Little Mermaid. So wow. technology that was developed by Pixar was actually utilized by Disney in their subsequent animated films. Very cool. I, I really mm-hmm. like the way this this kind of animation looks. And I think it's probably just because I grew up watching like this and Cinderella a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um but like I hadn't seen this style in a long 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 time. So watching this again, like there's just something so it's you know it's not as detailed as animation has gotten like even got like right, right. after this. Um so and it's something about the way, like, the colors move and, like, the smoothness of how they move. It's just, like, oh, I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. It has a much more kind of a tangible, I guess, is the word that I'd, fe- I'd use. Feel yeah. To yeah. It. Um, well, and it is, really, if you think about it. Because right, the drawing literally. is something that you could actually <laughs> hold. Yeah. Right. Um, another Disney feature that has really... Um, beautiful and tangible and and highly detailed uh backgrounds of sleeping beauty i think that's probably my second favorite disney film um everybody forgets has nothing to do with the storyline or the music or anything i just think it's just animated so beautifully yeah and uh, oddly enough the little mermaid is disney's first animated fairy tale since sleeping beauty which was produced in 1959 wow it's that old that's crazy yeah I have to take back what I said about princesses before, because now I'm remembering that they just remade live-action Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Which is like, yeah. like whatever. Like Emma Watson I totally didn't wear forgot a, cors- about that. a corset. What? Yeah, I did too. And that was her whole feminist thing. Where she's like, "Well, That's I didn't bullshit. wear a corset." Like you still okay. told the same story though. Also, yeah. like if you're gonna do a movie like that, like the corsets are half the fun. Like at least have fun with the costumes. Like, <laughs> Like, seriously. Yeah. Well, you know, the patriarchy is always going to try keeping us down. So I I don't think that the uh, damsel in distress princess thing is ever going to go fully out of style. I don't think it needs to go out of style. I think the genderedness of it needs to go out of style. Someone should, you know, Mm. like someone's got to be in distress. It's got to be interesting. It just doesn't always need to be the girl. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, uh, that's a good point, and I think that, that people should experiment with that, but at the same time, that kind of, like, need for a savior sort of thing, yeah. I think. I mean, that's very Christian. a lot of really unhealthy uh, 
concepts that we have about relationships in our culture. What healthy that relationships? We have to wait to be saved by someone. Why would you want that? <laughs> yeah, that's you know. Ooh, uh, some more artwork stuff. Uh, controversy arose regarding the artwork for the cover of the VHS cassette when the film was first released on video, um, because if you look at it real close. There's, as part of the castle in the background, it looks like a dick. There's like a little dick hidden oh, inside. Oh, I remember that. Because, you know, like, yeah. there's that whole thing about, like, that looks like a dick. And in The Lion King, it says sex in the clouds. And the genie says take off your clothes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, Disney and the cover designer insist that it was an accident related. Uh, resulting from a late night rush job to finish the cover artwork, but the cover artwork was revised on subsequent releases. So it definitely looks like a dick, though. I googled it and oh. it's there. Well, I'm about to google Ooh, wow. it. So. it does. I wonder if I have <laughs> that see. version on my VHS. There's also uh, one of the Google Images results has a diagram um, with labels and arrows pointing to different parts so oh it says wow shaft scrotum glistening <laughs> that uh it's all like yeah glistening. that kind of looks like a dick it looks like a dick yeah and while i will say my uh acquaintance with the male anatomy is is not very good for sort of obvious reasons um i did go to nude beach recently and i'm much more familiar <laughs> it was disgusting um other than that spain was lovely but oh my god that's so bad yeah that's a dick that is like um really bad there was also some controversy about the priest that marries the two of them oh yeah he he definitely has a bulge um which you know uh may or may not be the case but some lady actually like sued see Disney. what is with america what did she sue about how uh, how does a prince dicks. having a boner have or a priest having all a boner have anything to do with <laughs> like i'm sorry my eyes were wounded i'm suing for damages like what the fuck? yeah well she she dropped the case shortly thereafter i mean if you're gonna sue disney like you you, you best come correct, but... Yeah, um, but but seriously, like, what are the damages on that? Like, like what do you even sue them for? Right, and also, I mean, it's the kind of thing where it's like, Prove you're the it. one who who saw the dick, like, you yeah, know, whether right? or not it's like, there or not. Because, like, yeah, it also looks like there's a dick in the castle, but you know what? It also looks like a castle, like... Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, so, you know... Interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, as far as video releases of the film, it was uh, done pretty atypically and controversially uh, for a new Disney animated film. The Little Mermaid was actually released as part of uh, the Walt Disney Classics line of VHS and Laserdisc home video releases in Ooh. May 1990, which was only six months after the release of the film. Uh, prior to The Little Mermaid, only a select number of Disney's cataloged animated films had been released to home video um so wait it being released on video at all was controversial yeah i mean 
listen, I'm going to get a little bit further into this and the whole thing is ridiculous. Uh, the company was afraid of upsetting its profitable practice of theatrically releasing or reissuing each film every seven years. And um, I don't know if you guys have heard of the Disney vault. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but Disney actually is, has taken a lot of their classic titles and put them in this quote unquote vault. Um so that they can release them again in a few years and people will want to buy them again. But as a result, um, because I don't own The Little Mermaid on VHS or DVD or even Laserdisc, sadly, I tried to find it online streaming, which was nearly impossible because while it's in the vault, Disney doesn't allow it to be streamed on any on-demand video services, including their own like Disney Anywhere streaming app. Uh, which was really annoying. So I had to watch it on YouTube, um, a pirated version on YouTube, which in order to like get around those bots that like troll YouTube looking for copyrighted content was like super zoomed in, in the top left-hand quadrant of the frame. And also the audio sounded like it was underwater, which added (laughs) an interesting dimension. Um, so I really only saw one quarter of The Little Mermaid. <laughs> I wondered how you were yeah. going to watch it, because I know you stream <laughs> most things, but I also knew yeah. that this was unstreamable. Unstreamable. I didn't discover that until like 11.30 last night, oh. though, so I couldn't couldn't really, uh, you know, make other plans. Yeah, that's super weird that they do that. Yeah, it's, but also it's totally like counterintuitive to everything. <laughs> well, to everything in like like the world outside of Disney, yeah. but Disney has just always it's had its, its own, own special snowflake. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, we should probably just touch on the like uh, pretty offensive fake Jamaican accent of the <laughs> crab. I just just to point that out. Uh, inappropriate yeah they can't get away with that today right uh i mean they probably probably would yeah yeah i don't know i mean not like i would like to think that we've come a little further than Uh, that yeah i mean i would love to say no but (laughs) yeah no you're right it's still pretty bad oh here's a note uh, while in production in the 1980s, the staff found, by chance, original story and visual de- development work by Kay Nielsen for Disney's proposed 1930s Little Mermaid feature. Uh, many of the changes made by the staff in the 1930s to the Hans Christian Andersen original story were coincidentally the same changes made by Disney writers in the 1980s. So for some bizarre reason, both in the 1930s and in the 1980s, they removed the suicide plot line, which is totally weird. <laughs> what? What a coincidence. That's crazy. Mm. I don't know why they would do that. I wonder, someone must have made like all of the fairy tales with their real stories, right? I don't know. I, don't... I mean, I think that they've happened like over the years, but no, like no one entity has. No, yeah, that I don't mean like one company must have made them, but like they've been like there's a dark version of this somewhere, probably, right? Yeah, there definitely there's gotta is. be. Um, I saw some stuff on IMDb, so let's check that out. Uh. 
uh, as we talked about before we started recording, there's a live action version coming. It's not real which, though. Yeah, it it's a very different story. They made Ursula a man. What? Ugh. Yeah. Just because she's cool now, she has to be a dude. Right. It's bullshit. Um. Oh, maybe that hasn't been made. No, it seems like maybe at least on what's on IMDb has not been adapted into mm. a fully dark version of the original story. I think someone would like be on top of that now. Like, don't they make like TV yeah, shows but... that are about like fairy tale characters, but like they're for adults? Oh yeah, yeah. Once Upon a Time. Yes, I think is a but show. that's like all kinds it. of hot mess. Like, they've just taken license, and like my sister and I watched it for a while, like. I don't know, like the first two seasons or something or three. And, um, I mean, they just jumble everything. They're like, oh, yeah, and by the way, this person was also related to this person. And did you know that, like, I'm like, what are you doing to my life? Yeah, it just exists in a universe where all of these fairy tales are all part of the same universe. Um, I mean, I... Well, I imagine that the Hans Christian Andersen version is in the public domain, but Disney might own the rights anyway mm, you know yeah that's true I, I imagine that it's like if anything the most likely reason that somebody hasn't adapted the original in a much darker way is because disney would sue the pants off of anyone that tried <laughs> but there was that weird uh actually i think it came out before the animated beauty and the beast that weird um beauty and the beast live action sci-fi version starring Ron Perlman from 1987 to 1990. I have no idea what that is either. Oh yeah, it was a live action series. Uh, Ron Perlman played the Beast all dolled up in like lion makeup. Ron Perlman and who was the actress? Wow. Linda Hamilton. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. The adventures and romance of a sensitive and cultured lion man and a crusading lion assistant man. district attorney in Manhattan. Oh, wow. I, I've never actually seen it. I didn't realize that it was like a modern set. But yeah, it's all like weird and sci-fi. I remember trying to check it out of the library as a child and my mom being like, <laughs> mm, I don't think you should watch that because I think it's more adulty. Ah, one of the film's most prominent songs, Part of Your World, was nearly cut from the film when it seemingly it tested poorly with an audience of school children who became rowdy during the scene. But that was like an early what? version of the film. Clearly it because they colored. loved it so much. What kind of ridiculous <laughs> thing is that? Yeah. But when they um when they tested it later on, like after the coloring and stuff had been added, the kids really enjoyed it, so Imagine a world without part of your world. Oh, I don't want to. Can't make me. No. Um, do you want to sing any of the songs or par- any parts of the songs? I do not. We could all sing it together. Or whatever. It's just the the last person that we had on did a really rousing acapella version of the Ren and Stimpy theme song. So That is lovely. <laughs> if you would like to do that, you should definitely do that. <laughs> You already sang some of it nice earlier. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that does it for all of my notes. Do you guys have anything else? No. No? Let's see. How do I end this? How do I land the plane? Uh, you don't. You crash the bus. The bus blows <laughs> up. 
I almost bought Speed on VHS the other day. What? <laughs> we joke, because this used to be like a half Sandra Bullock podcast for a couple of episodes, for one episode. And for one episode. So we joke, because we trade at the beginning, where we say, who's driving the bus? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sandy to my Keanu. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. I'll, I'll see it one day. <laughs> Oh, well, I'll, I'll close with this uh, fun fact um, that uh, when Disney revisited the idea of uh, producing this in the 1980s, um, somebody wrote and presented a two-page treatment of The Little Mermaid to then-Disney CEO Jeff Katzenberg at a gong show-style pitch <laughs> meeting. And Katzenberg passed the project over because at that time the studio was in development on a sequel to the live-action mermaid comedy Splash and felt that The Little Mermaid would be too similar of a project. Interesting. I don't think we had any uh, cage connections or key connections or any other connections with other stuff on the Cage Club Podcast Network, but... Uh, if you want to hear some stuff about Nicolas Cage or Keanu Reeves or Zac Efron or Shia LaBeouf or the Now That's What I Call Music series or Philip Seymour Hoffman, check out the rest of the Cage Club Podcast Network at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Uh, and you'll also find the Wistful Thinking Podcast there. Catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, not SoundCloud but other places where you get your podcasts um but if you're already listening to this you probably knew that already you can also find us on social media at wistful pod and uh for the wistful thinking podcast i'm cara gail o'regan with jordan Pullenberg and sophie and this is us talking about the little mermaid sing with me now Kiss the girl. Go on and kiss the girl.